Hey, so I, I, I want uh, to ask you to do something with me. I'm going to ask you all to be a part of that, whether you want to or not. Um, I want to ask you um, if you just take a deep breath. Just breathe it in and then go ahead and let it out. And I'm assuming that everybody did that, okay? And, and what that tells me is that you have breath in your lungs this morning, okay? Now, I want you to do something else. I want you to take your hand and I want you to put it over your heart. And uh, if you feel comfortable doing that, if you don't feel comfortable, you feel like you're pledging some kind of allegiance, like you don't have to do that. Um, uh, but you, you can uh, take you know, your fingers. What I want you to do is I want you to try to feel your pulse. I want you to feel your heartbeat, okay? And so if you can't feel it in your heart, reach for it on your chest, or some of you look like you're about to choke yourselves out. And uh, you can try to feel it on your neck too. Um, but but feel, feel your heart, feel it beat. If you haven't heard it for a while, if you haven't felt it for a while, it goes like this. It goes boom, 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 boom. And, and what I want, why I want you to do that is because that tells me that everybody in here, that we are breathing and that we have a heartbeat. And because we have breath in our lungs and because we have a heartbeat in our chest, that means that we are here. And that we're not just here filling up space. We're here and we're here and we're alive and we have a reason. There's a purpose for you being here. There's a purpose for your life. As you sit here right now, whether you feel like it in this moment or not, whether today is the worst day that you've ever had in your life or today is the best day that you've ever had in your life, whether you feel like this is the worst decade or you woke, and you woke up on the wrong side of the decade or you feel like this is going to be the best decade of your life, I want you to know that you are here. You have breath in your lungs. You have a heartbeat in your chest and it's there for a reason. You have a reason. You have a purpose to be here. And so the question is, do you know why you're here, right? Do you know why you're here? Do you know what you're living for? Now, I want to say it like this. If you know what you're living for, you're going to know what's worth dying for. And at the end of the day, isn't that really what we want? Don't, don't we really, at the end of the day, to live a life that's mattered, right? At the end of the day, to say, you know what? I lived a life that was truly worth living. And so when it comes time for you to take your last breath, you know that you lived in such a way that your death is actually worth dying. And the only way that that happens is that you know why you're here and you know what you're living for. And perhaps one of the, the most well-known passages all through scripture, you, you see it on mugs, you see it on bumper stickers, you see it in bookmarks that sit in your Bible. Uh, one of the most well-known scriptures that we have sums up the heartbeat and the purpose of Paul's life. Um, we hear um, about Paul, we hear these words from, or we're about to hear these words from Paul, who says, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And when we read anything from Paul, Anything that he writes, especially as he's been writing to us here in the Philippians, you can almost hear his heartbeat. You can almost feel his heartbeat. And, and the words, um, don't, uh, they, they come out in the English uh, a little bit, but the, like when you look at the Greek, man, they come out, you can almost feel Paul's heartbeat. Here's what he says. I'm going to throw that up here. Um, Paul says, to zane Christos. And what that literally means is to live Christ. Like, there, there, there is no verb there. This is what Paul is saying. To live, like to live, my life is lived in Christ, right? It's just what it is. We supply the is there. We can throw any verb in there. But what Paul's saying is to live, it's just Christ. And then he follows it up with to apathanein, kurdos, which means to die, gain. What Paul says is to live, Christ. To die, Gain. And so we've translated that to live is Christ, to die is gain. And this is a bit picturesque, but this is Paul's heartbeat 
for his own life. And this is not only his heartbeat for his own life, this is Paul's heartbeat for the church in Philippi. And Paul had no idea that Ashland was ever going to exist. He had no idea that Riverview Community Church was going to exist here sitting in 2020, and he had no idea that this was going to be. But if Paul were writing this letter to us right now, this would be his heartbeat for Riverview Community Church too. And you can almost hear it, right? Put your hand on your heart again. This is, this is Paul's words. To live, boom, boom, is Christ, boom, boom. To die, boom, boom, is gain, boom, boom. To live is Christ. To die is gain. This is Paul's heartbeat for the church. This is how he wraps up his whole idea of living. Now, you've probably heard uh, this illustration, or this not even an illustration, you've probably heard this before, um, that uh, the closer that you get to your mate, or the closer that you get to the person that you love, as you're closer to them, like your hearts, they, they literally begin to beat as one. They become the same little rhythm together. And, and, and it sounds like cute, right? Like, uh, like who doesn't want their heart to be like what their spouses or their girlfriend or the boyfriends be like, oh, that's so nice. And, I, and I've always thought that that was kind of like an urban legend, right? Like can somebody's heartbeat really begin to match the rhythm of the person that they love? And, and, and so I, I set out on a quest this week to find the answer to that question. And so I did a little internet search, you know, and I started looking around. I started looking for studies. Is this actually possible? And I said, can somebody's heart rhythm begin to match the person that they love? And what I found was remarkable, right? It's not just an urban legend. The closer that you get to the person that you love and close proximity to, and the longer that you sit with them, your heartbeat actually begins to mimic the heartbeat of the person that you're close to right? That literally your heart begins to beat as one. They become meshed together in that sense. Now, here's what's true. Like, it's not true of your spouse, or it's it's not true. Yeah, it should be true of your spouse, right? It's not true of a stranger. So, like, if if I get close to you, Andrew, I love you, dude, but as I get close to you, my heartbeat isn't probably going to start matching and, and, and being in rhythm with yours. But if I take you out of the picture and I put my wife in your place and I start sitting next to her, not only is my heartbeat going to speed up because I love being around my wife, but my heartbeat, the longer that I sit there with her and the closer that I get with her, science tells us that my heart is going to begin to mimic and, and, and match the rhythm of her heartbeat. Isn't that fascinating? It's absolutely fascinating. Now think about this. Jesus gave the great commission to his disciples. He said, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And he gave this in the context before he said this. He said that I'm going to send you out as sheep amongst wolves. <laughs> that sounds pretty enticing, right? It sounds like you something you want to sign up your life for. This is, this is the context. It's not going to be glamorous. It's not going to be easy. You're going to be sheep amongst wolves. But as these disciples, as they stayed connected to Jesus, as they moved closer to him and they stayed connected to the vine, their heartbeats began to match his, and they produced fruit all throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And while this is going on, Paul comes along, and he has this radical interaction with Jesus. Jesus changes his heart, changes the passion and the treasure of his heart. Actually, he takes his old dead heart out, right? This is what happens when you come to Christ. He takes his old dead heart out and he places it, replaces it with a brand new heart, one that beats for him, that's massaged for him, that's sensitive and it's tuned into the spirit and it's sensitive and tuned into the things and the desires of his kingdom. He takes it out. And he says, what's going to happen now as you live for me, as you get close to me, your heart's going to begin to match mine. But I'm telling you, it's not going to be easy. And he sets them up from the very beginning, right? He sets them up in in Acts chapter 9, and he lets them know that you're going to be walking into difficulty. 
That as you uh, advance the gospel, you're going to be, you're going to suffer, you're going to struggle. And so Paul knows exactly what he's signing up for, but yet he starts sharing the gospel and he starts talking about Jesus. He starts sharing the kingdom everywhere that he goes. And as he walks with Jesus, as he stays connected to him, as he stays connected to the vine, the rhythm of his heart begins to match the rhythm of the one that he treasures. The rhythm of his heart begins to match the one that he loves more than anything else. And his heartbeat sounds so loudly that we can almost feel it. In chapter 1, verse 21, he says, To live is Christ. To die is gain. See, a life of purpose and a life worth living is to match the heartbeat of Jesus. To live is Christ. To die is gain. And what Paul's going to do, he's going to show us what a life worth living and what a death worth dying looks like, okay? So now remember, Paul's in Rome. He's in prison in Rome, and he has no idea when he's going to get out. It's, uh, e- and it's easy for people to look at his situation and, and to be like, dude, that's jacked up. I, I can't believe you're in prison. It's not okay that you're in prison like this. It shouldn't be like that. And, and what can happen is people can start looking at his circumstances, his situation, and, and be like, man, that's just messed up. But once you start looking at somebody's situation and the thing they're going, they're going through, it's easy to begin to put yourself in their shoes right? To say, well, if I'm doing the same thing that he's doing, if he's locked up in prison right now because he's being bold and he's standing up on the gospel and he's standing for faith, if he's doing that, well, that's probably going to happen to me too. And if that's going to happen to me, well, the conclusion that I'm going to come up with, it, it just may be, well, well, forget it. I don't want anything to do with that. If that's what I can look forward to, then I say, no way. You can count me out. I'm just going to sit over here quietly. I'm going to be thankful to be alive. I'm going to be thankful to be in the kingdom of God for myself. I'm going to be thankful for his grace. I'm going to be thankful for his mercy. And yet I'm going to go ahead and keep that on the down low over here. I'm going to stay. I'm going to lay low because I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable around me. And really, I don't want to feel uncomfortable around anybody else. I don't want to have any negative repercussions because of my association with Jesus. <clears throat> that is very easily something that could happen in the situation that Paul is in right now. People look at that and say, I don't want anything to do with that. And they, and they can begin to shy away. But Paul said, hey, don't look at my circumstances. Don't look at my circumstances and then go crawl into a hole. Don't go into hiding. Look at what God's doing because I'm locked up in prison right now. Remember, we looked at this last week. The whole Roman guard now has heard about Jesus. There are others throughout the Roman Empire now who have heard about Jesus. There, and on top of that, the brothers and the sisters who are in Christ now, who are around, who were maybe tempted to be less bold than they ought to be, they haven't run away. They've actually, they've stepped up and they're more bold than they ever have been. And so he says, don't cry for me about what's going on. And, and don't look at my situation and then go bury yourself in the sand. Don't go bury your head in the sand. Don't go bury your treasure in the sand. Don't go bury your life in the sand. Stay focused on the big picture. And the big picture is that the gospel is advancing forward. And he says, you're a part of that. And what we didn't get to last week was in 15 and 17. Um, Paul, uh, Paul says um, that there is some, there's teaching that is going around um, that's, be, that's teaching Christ, but it's done in motives that aren't very pure. And they're, so they're talking about this. And, and Paul says, listen, as long as the gospel is still going forward, Paul says, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is still being proclaimed. And in that, I'm going to rejoice. And so we pick up in verse 18, on the second part of verse 18. And he says, and yes, I will rejoice. For I know that your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this, or uh, that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. 
And it's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul says, guys, man, I'm so thankful that you've been praying for me. I know that I'm not sitting in here in prison all by myself. I know that, that, that you've been with me in your prayers. You've been praying for me. I've been feeling that. And not only have you been praying for me, but Jesus is with me through the presence of the Holy Spirit here. And because of that, I am fully confident that I'm not going to die here in prison. I'm fully confident that this isn't my last run. And, 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 and so, but that's not the cause of my rejoicing. I'm, I'm not rejoicing whether or not I'm going to get locked or if I'm going to get out of jail or not. I'm, I'm not rejoicing on the fact that maybe I'll live or, or, or maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get out. My rejoicing comes from knowing that God is being honored through me one way or the other. Like if I live or if I die, Christ is going to be honored just as he's been all the way up to this point in my life. Like, can I just be real honest with you? And I'm hoping that you can be honest with me too. Like when the circumstances of my life aren't favorable, right? When I feel pain, whether it be emotional whether it be physical, whether there be some kind of spiritual lapse, when things aren't perfect in my life, my flesh doesn't resonate with Paul's right here. Paul says, man, like whether in life or death, only if God is glorified. There are times where my flesh, like, like although I want to, like I want to be like, oh man, to God be the glory. Like he's going to get through this. He's going to get the honor out of this. But if I'm being honest, sometimes my flesh says, man, that's not what I'm about. My flesh will say, fix it. Fix it now. I, I, I know you might be being glorified. I know you have a plan through this. I know that at the end of the day, like you're going to be honored and all things are going to work out for good. Like I get that. But right now, I don't care. I want it fixed in my world right now. Even though my heart wants to resonate with Paul, sometimes my life doesn't resonate with Paul's. But Paul here, he says, this is my heartbeat. Look at verse 21. This is where his heart kind of stands out a little bit different than ours sometimes. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose. I can't tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So Paul has this confidence, right? That he's going to be getting out of prison. He, he doesn't know when he's going to get out, and honestly, he doesn't know for sure if going to get out. But for whatever reason, he's got the strict and strong confidence that this stop in prison, this isn't the end of his life. But at the same time, he's not really letting it bother him, right? Because he says in verse 20, I just want Christ to be honored in my life, whether that means I live or whether that means I die. See, Paul's got this big picture mentality. He, he's always got this mind that I'm, I'm living in light of eternity. But what does that look like? I mean, what does it look like to actually be like, whether I live or die? Well, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Well, that's great, Paul. We understand this is your heartbeat, but what does it mean? Well, verse 22, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Now, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, right? Uh, I'm between a rock and a hard place which means that there are two different things going on in your life. And usually that's used in the context of, I don't like that thing, and I don't like that thing, but somehow I'm stuck here in the middle. But Paul is saying, man, I'm perplexed. I'm in the middle of two fantastically good options. Like it's win-win. If I choose this, it's a win. If I choose this, it's a win. You're like, how, how's that? Like you're talking about living or, or dying here. 
Now, Paul's saying this is, is win-win. It's like somebody who were to come up to you and say, you know what? I'm going to give you a brand new truck. And you're like, are you kidding me? Like, like am I being punked right now? And like, no, I'm going to give you a brand new truck. And you've got an option. You can have this brand new Chevy Silverado, or you can have this brand new F-150. They're, they're both different, but they're brand new, and they're going to be fantastically good options. Don't look at me if you're a Ford person. And be like, why are you even talking about Chevy? Like, that's blasphemy. Or, and some of you are like, you didn't, you didn't even say Dodge. Like, we drive a Dodge in our house. Like, okay, listen. If somebody were to put these two options in front of you, you're not going to not take the free truck, right? Paul's saying this is win-win for me, one way or the other. This is going to turn out well. I said, well, how's that a win-win? Look at this verse again. To live as Christ. If I stay here on this earth, if I don't die here in prison, that means fruitful labor for me. And fruitful labor for Paul, this is a life that's connected to Jesus, this is a life that as I move closer to him, my heartbeat begins to reflect his heartbeat. And then fruit begins to get produced in my life. It's fruit that's produced by Jesus. It's sharing the heartbeat of Jesus for his kingdom. It's advancing the gospel. And that means where I show up, we talked about this last week, that where I show up, whether it be at work or whether it's at school or it's in, in my uh, dorm rooms or it's at the marketplace or it's wherever, at the grocery store, wherever I show up, the atmosphere changes because I don't enter into that position just as myself. I come with the kingdom of God. I come as a citizen of the kingdom. And so wherever I show up, the atmosphere should be changing. The kingdom of God enters and we show what living life in the kingdom looks like. And for Paul, this means I get to keep advancing the gospel. I get to keep pouring out my life. I get to keep doing the thing that I've been doing that's actually got me locked up in prison right now. Do you ever think about your life like that? Like to, to live is Christ. And so while I've got breath in my lungs, so while there's a heartbeat in my chest, while I'm living here right now, I am going to pour my life out for Christ. Whether I live or whether I die, Christ is going to be honored in my life one way or the other. Paul says to live is Christ. I mean, think about the church in Philippi again, right? We've talked about this a little bit. Think about the roots of the church and the impact that Paul's little life for him to live as Christ, right? Lydia comes to Christ. Her whole world gets flipped upside down and her family comes to Christ as well. You've got this demon-possessed slave girl who's no longer demon-possessed and she's no longer a slave. She's come to Christ. Her whole world flipped upside down. You've got this rogue Philippian jailer who was living his best life that he could. And then the Lord comes in, flips his world upside down through Paul, and not only him, but his whole family as well, right? And not only that, this situation that Paul is in right now, he's saying the whole Roman guard is hearing about Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ are becoming more bold and they're advancing the gospel. Churches around the world are being planted. Paul says to live is Christ. For me to live is that Christ gets proclaimed in my life and he gets proclaimed through my circumstances. To live for me means fruitful labor. The life of living here is a life of pouring yourself out for Jesus. If there's breath in your lungs, if there's a heartbeat in your chest, it should match the rhythm of Paul's. If there's breath in your lungs and there's a heartbeat in your chest, it should match the rhythm of Jesus. And we live with purpose, pouring ourselves out into fruitful labor, advancing the gospel of Jesus, changing the atmosphere wherever we go for the kingdom. Wherever we go, we represent the kingdom as citizens of the kingdom, as representatives of the king, as representatives of the kingdom as well. Don't waste the breath that's in your lungs. Don't waste the heartbeat that's in your chest. 
Don't waste it. This is why you're here, Paul says, fruitful labor. But at the same time, Paul says, man, I'm torn. I'm torn between the two. These are really good options. I, I want, I'm literally hard-pressed between two really good options. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. Verse 23, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. Now, see, now Paul's in prison. We know this. His situation is not easy, <clears throat> he, and he's not naive, like denying the fact that he's in hardship right now. Right? But he's not letting that hardship dictate his life. He's recognizing, hey, I'm here, this is hard, but this world isn't all that there is. There's a place that I've been promised that's far better than anything that this world could ever offer where there's no tears, where there's no more pain, where there's no more sorrow, where there's no more death, a place where I get to see Jesus face to face. And yes, he says, it would be far better for me, right? It'd be far better for me to leave and to go and be there. I want to be there. My hope is there. I long for that day. I want to see Jesus face to face. It would be far better for me, but it'd be far better for you if I stay. Look at verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And he loves these people so much that if he had a choice, he doesn't have a choice, because it doesn't work like that. But if he had a choice, he would say, I would, forego, I would forego going to heaven right now to be with Jesus so that I could be right here with you so that you can grow, so that you can come up, so that you can grow to maturity. If I had a choice, I would stay for your sake. And he's actually convinced that he's gonna stay for that purpose. Look at verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith. This is the purpose. This is why he wants to say, for two reasons, for your progress and for your joy in the faith, so that in me you have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Now, here, here's what could happen, right? We could look at Paul's words here and be like, dude, you're so arrogant. Like, you're so prideful. Like, you think that you've got it all figured out. You think you're the only one that can invest in somebody's life. You think that you're the best one who's out here preaching the gospel? You think you're the only one that can do that? You think if you somehow are out of the picture, the gospel not, is not going to go forward? Paul, like you're so arrogant and prideful. Like we could say that, but that's not at all what's happening here with Paul. Like Paul knows, like he knows his purpose in life. He knows why he's here. The reason that he still has breath in his lungs, the reason why he still has a heartbeat in his chest is to help these people progress in their faith. While he's here, if the Lord takes him away, the gospel is going to still advance. He's going to use somebody else to do it. It doesn't have to be through Paul. But he says, while I'm here, I'm going to help. I'm going to help you progress in your faith. I'm going to help you progress in their joy and thereby advancing the gospel. So I ask you again, do you know why you're here? Do you know why you're here? Do you know what you're living for? And at the end of the day, is what you're living for, is it making a difference in somebody else's life? Because if you know why you're here, you're going to live a life that's worth living now, not just for yourself, but you're going to live a life that's worth living for the people that are around you as well. And then at the end of the day, that's a death that will be worth dying. Paul says, I am here for you. I'm here so that you might grow. And then verse 27, he takes the whole focus and he shifts it around. He takes, in verse 27, he takes the focus off of himself. He says, this is my heartbeat, right? For me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. That's my heart. But in 27, he said, now how about you? He looks at the Philippians and says, now how about you? If I'm sticking around here, don't waste my time by wasting your life. 
Don't waste my time by wasting your life. Like how you live actually matters. And so your heartbeat should be matching the heartbeat of the Father. You know, like Paul is saying, I've invested in you and don't let my investment come back void. Don't let it come back. We talked last week or the week before about somebody who's invested in your life to think about the person who's pouring into you. The best thing that you can do for somebody who's invested their life into your life is to grow up to maturity, right? To not make them waste their time on you, to let there be fruitful labor in their life so that you begin to grow and so that you begin to produce as well. Paul says, don't let me waste my time by you wasting your life. Look at verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your, own, by, by your opponents, right? We just sang a song about that, standing in the hallelujah in the, in the presence of our enemies. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Yikes, right? Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Listen to verse 27 again. Verse 27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Does anybody hear that and just be like, gosh, that's just so heavy, man. Like, how do you live a life that's worthy of the gospel? Like, like, how do you ever live in such a way that's worthy of what Jesus has done on the cross? Like, how do you ever live a life that is worthy of him shedding his blood, being buried for you? Like, how do you live? Like, man, for me, sometimes it just feels so heavy because I know the inconsistency of my own life. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one. There were times when the, when, when the praises on my lips don't match what's going on in my heart and what matches what's going on in my life. Is anybody with me? You don't have to raise your hand. But I know I'm not alone. Right? There are times when there's inconsistencies and in what would seem like hypocritical statements that come out of my mouth because my life doesn't match what I'm saying. Right? And so I know my inconsistencies. I was reading this week in, in Matthew, and, and Jesus is just railing on the Pharisees. He's saying, man, it's not what you put in your mouth that makes you clean or makes you dirty. He's saying it's what comes out of your heart. That sometimes we say things that don't match, our lips don't match what's going on in our heart or what's in our heart doesn't match what's going on in our lips. And you're just railing on them. And so I know in my own life sometimes, man, my, my, my life and my lips, they just don't match. And so when I hear Paul say, man, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, I just feel so stinking heavy. Like how do you actually do that? The, the English doesn't really grab it real well here. And, and so what I'm going to do is I'm gonna, we're going to throw some more Greek up here in, in just a second. Um, because the word that Paul uses here to translate these words, let your manner of life be, it all comes from one word. Let's go ahead and throw that up there. The, the let your manner of life be, it all comes from polytuesthe, right? And that word literally means to live as citizens. How do you let your life be worthy of the calling to which you have? How do you let your life be worthy of the gospel? Well, you live as citizens, right? That's what we've been talking about over the past few weeks. We live as citizens. And what Paul is trying to do here, he's trying to get the Philippians to live in this big picture view, to live as citizens, polytuesthe, right? Live as citizens. We're representatives, representatives of the kingdom. We're part of his kingdom. We're representatives of the king and his kingdom values and his kingdom desires. We're representatives of his heart, we represent his heartbeat for the world as citizens of heaven. And what Paul is saying is that we should live in such a way that we're, 
living as kingdom citizens who are sharing the heartbeat of God while we're here on this earth. While we have breath in our lungs, while we have a heartbeat in our chest, we should be representing Jesus as citizens of heaven. He says, let your heart match his. Live as citizens with the heartbeat of God. Don't just fly the banner and then go hide in a hole. Don't fly the banner and just, and just live like your life doesn't matter. He says, fly the banner and live this out. Live as citizens. And for us, it feels so heavy because sometimes we think that we're doing this by ourselves, but we don't do it by ourselves, right? It would be way too heavy for us if this was all that we, if, if it was all on us, but we don't do it by ourselves. But we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us to help us live this out. And this isn't Paul saying now, hey, work for your salvation. This isn't Paul saying, you've been given this great, awesome gift, now go out and try to earn it, right? When, he, when he's talking about um, living as citizens or letting our manner of life be worthy, he's not saying that you've been given something great, now, now pay back what's been given to you. Like he'll, he'll later say, and we'll look at it in a couple weeks, he, he says, now work out your salvation. He never says work for your salvation. He never says work because of your salvation. He's, he's saying, now begin to live who you've already been made to be. Live, he's saying, now live from what God has already done in you. He's made you a child, live as a child. He's made you a citizen, live as a citizen. Since God has taken your old dead heart out and he's replaced it, now live as somebody who has a new heart. You've been united with Christ. You have a union with him. He's given you citizenship. Now live that out. Let your heartbeat match his while you're here. Live with purpose with the short amount of time that you have. Saying, don't waste your life. This is why you're here. This is why you still have breath in your lungs. This is why you still have a heartbeat in your chest. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Not a flatlined existence where we go and bury our heads in the sand, where we've been given this great gift, where we've been given this great life, but we refuse to live this thing out boldly. Paul's saying live boldly for Christ. Live under his heartbeat. And here's how he says to do that in the rest of verse 27. Standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is the clear sign of them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. He says, stand firm in one spirit with one mind, strive side by side for the gospel and stand fearlessly. And by doing that, what happens is that the world takes notice, right? It's a clear sign to the world that we belong to Christ. He says, stand firm. See, the Philippian church, like it's so full uh, of a diverse group of people right now. Think about, again, how the church got started. You've got Lydia, you've got a demon-possessed slave girl, and you've got a Roman jailer, like, or a Philippian jailer. This is the foundation of the church. But that's just the foundation, right? This was in a Roman colony with diverse mindsets, with diverse religions that were coming in to Christ. This wasn't a place where Christianity had already been preached. This was a place that was brand new to Christ when Paul was there. And so you've got people that are coming from pagan roots. You've got people from, that are coming out of uh, Judaism. And they're all learning now to live under the rule and the reign of Christ. And Paul says that this diverse group of people, that they're, they're living in this world of chaos. They're living in a world that's indifferent to Christ. But they're to band together now and stand firm, united as brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is something that the world doesn't get. Right? The world doesn't get when a bunch of diverse people who come from all kinds of backgrounds, come together and they stand firm under the person and the work of Jesus Christ. They just don't get it. Um, you ever seen prairie dogs, right? You ever seen prairie dogs? It's like all of a sudden, like you don't see them and then all of a sudden you do, like poof, they're up in the middle of the field. Like when we go to the zoo, 
like there's all kinds of amazing animals. And one of my favorite, this is, like, this is so weird, but one of my favorite animals are meerkats, right? Is anybody else with me? Right? Any meerkat people? Like meerkats are fascinating to me. I mean, because they just move so fast and whatnot. And, and, and so a meerkat, like they've got one, they've got one like scout that's in charge of everybody. Like, so everybody's just frolicking around and doing things, but there's one scout that's advanced out in front of everybody else, and he keeps a watch on everything. And when he sees something that's not normal, when he sees something that, that doesn't make sense, he's like, he like pops up, right? His head's like all over, he's like, hey, huh. And then, and then like he shouts back to the rest of the group. It's like, something's different here. Something's not right. And what Paul's saying is as we stand firm under the person and the work of Christ and we stay united under the, the big picture, we stay united by his heartbeat and not get focused in on the difference, the world is going to see that there is something that's different. I'm going to pop up like a bunch of meerkats and prairie dogs saying, what's that? And because of that, the world's going to know who Jesus is. Say, stand firm and united in Christ. And he says, with one mind, strive side by side for the gospel. Work together for the thing that matters more than anything else. Advance the gospel of Jesus so that people might grow. You know, we were talking in uh, uh, the office this week about just some of the roots uh, of Riverview. James just said a, few, uh, a, a little bit ago about, you know, the, 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 the teen years that we've been here. Like, we're, we haven't been here very long, right? We're still a baby church, and we're still growing up. But the roots of the church is that we are a church plant. Like, this building hasn't always been here. The chairs that you're sitting in haven't always been in this room. The bathrooms that are comfortable in there, like, they're, like they haven't always been, like it hasn't always been the case. Like this has been a church plant where, where it had to be all hands on deck every single Sunday for this to happen. Chairs getting set up, people setting up a stage, people setting up the sound, people setting up lights, people setting up kids' life room. It was standing side by side, striving together for the gospel, right? It was all hands on deck so that people might come together and hear the gospel proclaimed, so that people might come together and be strengthened within the body, so that people could find life in Jesus. And it didn't just happen here on Sundays. Like it went out on Sundays like all over the place. It went out throughout the week in the lives of the people who are banding together side by side for the gospel. And Paul's saying this is a hell, all hands on deck. We're living side by side and we're advancing the gospel together. That's the only way that this happens and that's still the call that we have to work together so that people might find life in Jesus. And then he says stand fearlessly. And how do you do that, Paul? Well, it's what he's already been saying, Right? It's the Christian who's living a life worthy of the gospel, who's living it out of their identity as citizens of heaven and representatives of the king, who's living this out day by day with purpose and intentionality, living on purpose, on purpose, knowing why they're here, knowing why they have breath in their lungs, knowing why there's a heartbeat that's still in their chest, knowing that they're to live out of Jesus' heartbeat, knowing that there are brothers and sisters who are, who are standing side by side with them. The person who is living as a citizen of heaven, connected to Jesus, standing boldly and fearlessly isn't a big deal. It just happens. You stand bold. You stand fearlessly. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have fear. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be afraid. It just means that you're not going to let fear paralyze you, and you're going to move forward, and you're going to advance the gospel. You live on purpose, on purpose purpose, to live as Christ and to die as gain. It's always been the heartbeat of Jesus. It's always been the heartbeat of Paul. It's always been the heartbeat of the church, is that those who fly under the flag of Christ, those who are brought in to be citizens of the kingdom, 
that their heartbeat begins to match the heartbeat of the Father. Why don't you go ahead and put your hand on your heart again? It's always been the case that our hearts would resonate with Jesus. To live is Christ. To die is gain. It's always been. Your heart should be beating in rhythm with Jesus. If it's not beating in rhythm with Jesus, there's some kind of anomaly that needs to get worked on. Did you see Holy Spirit do some work in me? Get my heart in rhythm with you. Let me sit with your word. Let me get close to you. Let me allow you to put my heart in rhythm with your heart. It's always been the heartbeat of Jesus. As you see it all around us, right? We, I'm going to show this picture to you. And, and just, uh, go ahead and throw it up there. This has been our heartbeat. It's always been our heartbeat. Is that our hearts would be in rhythm with Jesus. And that we would live for what matters, right? That, I mean, that's been kind of the slogan for, for Riverview throughout the days. You know, what, living for what matters most. And what has mattered most is that people find Jesus. And the way that people find Jesus is that our hearts resonate with his. And they see Jesus in us. We've got Prashant. Prashant is saying to live as Christ, to die as gain. He's uh, over in India, and he's in areas that have never heard the gospel of Jesus preached before. And people are right now coming to faith because he is saying to live as Christ. Now, I'm counting my life, not my own. There's a possibility that I may die here, but to live is Christ, and to die is going to be gain. And we've got um, the brothers that we are representing uh, or that are part of us that are in, uh, that are in India too. And I'm not going to say their name because this is going to go up online and all that stuff. But these guys are out all throughout India. They're doing the same thing. They're going into the villages where Christ hasn't been proclaimed. And, and as they're out in these villages, they're saying, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Live for what matters. Let your heartbeat match the heartbeat of the Father. We've got Jeffrey and Angelica Rosehart. They are in Argentina, and they've said, man, let my life be. Let my heart be to live as Christ to die as gain in the work of street kids in Argentina and so that these kids might know who Jesus is. We've got uh, Julia Katsinas. Like she just came back from being two years in Australia and making some stints out of Australia as well, teaching kids so that they might know who Jesus is. And we've got Pat Willard who is, is, uh, is in Millard and he's working with kids there with Youth for Christ so that kids might come to know who Jesus is so their world can be flipped upside down so that their hearts can match the heartbeat of the Father too. It's always been the heart of Jesus that his church would represent his heart. It's always been the case. But it's not just around the world. It's not just down in Millard. It's not just down the street. It's in your own backyard. It's in your sphere of influence that where you show up, the, the, the kingdom shows up as well. For you to live as Christ and to die is gain. Your heartbeat should match the heart of the Father's. So what's your heartbeat? Is the rhythm of your heart matching the heartbeat of his? That's why you're still here. That's why you've got breath in your lungs. That's why you have a heartbeat in your chest. It's not to build up our little kingdoms so that his kingdom can grow, so that people can know who he is. Is. And some of you are going to hear that and be like, man, I'm challenged by that, and, that's, and it's going to leave. Some of you are going to hear and be challenged, and that's who it's for this morning. It, it, it's so that your heart would be pricked to the point where it moves into the rhythm of Jesus, and you begin to live, to live as Christ, to die as game. Would you pray with me? Jesus, would you capture our heart so that the only thing that matters to us is the world knowing who you are in my life or in my death?
that you would be honored. And boy, that is heavy, but that's a prayer that we pray. Lord, that you would be honored in our life and that you would be honored in our death. Would you let us be people who live worthy of the gospel, to live as citizens, to live a life that's worth living and eventually die a death that's worth dying. That while we're here, Lord, that we say to live as Christ and we pour our life out for fruitful labor for you, not counting our life as our own, not building our kingdoms here. And at the end of that, that we can truly say now, to die is gain. I've invested my life. And it wasn't just about me, but it was about other people knowing Jesus too. And I'm going to stand face to face with you and and I'm going to be so enthralled with what I see. But I'm also going to know that I invested my life well. Would you let that be the heartbeat that we carry? Let our rhythm match your rhythm, I pray. By your spirit, do that work in us because we can't do it ourselves. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.